Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast, mailbag edition on a short week before the Vikings head to Philadelphia tomorrow night to face the Eagles. You're listening to this on Wednesday. We're recording it on Tuesday afternoon after getting out of the Vikings locker room, talking to the coordinators, Brian Flores, Wes Phillips. Did not talk to Marcus Davenport, who declined comment. He is limping through the locker room with his right ankle taped up. We'll have to see what the team designates him as. You will already know that because it'll happen today, later today. If My guess is it'll be questionable because he was a limited participant in practice on Monday, their estimation on Monday, and then they're having a walkthrough today that they have to designate the injured guys afterward uh, later Tuesday evening. But we're going to get to a lot of your questions that you guys sent. I'm here with Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune to help answer some of these questions, which certainly we can peer into the crystal ball and know, Ben, as Aaron Rupar asks, what number will Aaron Rodgers be wearing for the Vikings next season? <laughs> well, is it going to be Nick Mullins as number 12? <laughs> uh, I just can't. <laughs> You're defeated already. We haven't even like just ramped up off-season speculation. I don't want to do it. Mm-mm. You just don't want to even even entertain the possibility. No, I no, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I've got nothing. I know it's in fun, but just I don't want to. Well, at least the contract that Aaron Rodgers has with the Jets probably stipulates that he's going to be a member of the Jets next year. I think that's probably true. If he's still playing football. If he's still playing football, yes. Uh, I don't think this is a the the difference between him and Favre, and we've all had our fun with it, is that he signed a deal that would make it a little harder to get him here. If, if they made that trade, I will tell you what number he's wearing if you can construct a salary cap picture that allows them to pay for A, Aaron Rodgers, B, a Justin Jefferson extension, C, a Christian Derisaw extension, and D, the $28.5 million of void money that would be left on the cap from Kirk Cousins. If you can do that, yeah, we can we could talk Rogers jerseys. Also an, or- back to me. also an organization that would somehow think we need to go all in after seeing yeah. what we just saw yep. on Sunday against the Buccaneers. Um, well, let's start instead with a question. That one in your culture shield. <laughs> we'll start instead with a question from Sunday's game. Luke wants to know, what is the main reason for Justin Jefferson's lack of production in the second half? He says the Bucks made defensive adjustments, or was it Kevin O'Connell not calling the right plays or Kirk not looking his way? Um, now, Justin jumped out to a big first half, obviously, against the Buccaneers, and it just did not – uh, with the offense continue. Now, there are multiple reasons for that because the Vikings had, if I'm if I'm correct here, they had three possessions in the second half. Yes. And they didn't get the ball till like eight minutes left in the third quarter. Yep. Um, that, the, both of those things are correct, yes. The Bucks just played keep away. Yeah. And then the last two possessions for the Vikings were three and out. Yeah, it, it was not a great opportunity to kind of see what, the offensive playbook was going to look like in the second half. They just didn't have the ball very much. Uh, I think they had like 11 yards in the fourth quarter as a whole. So, um, yeah, I mean, those long drives the Buccaneers had, not being able to to get the ball back, including, you know, right at the end of the game when you have a chance to hold them to a field goal, get the ball back in time to go try to win the game, and Baker Mayfield hits Chris Godwin for a first down. I mean, it was those types of things that kept it, I think more so than 
I mean, Jefferson, I think, had two catches in the second half. And if you're talking about a, a grand total of, you know, 16 plays or something like that, I'm not sure. It wasn't many. Um, how much you can read into that. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Um, I remember yesterday O'Connell was asked about the play. Um, I believe it might have been the final three and out, or it was one of the two three and outs in the second half there in the fourth quarter. O'Connell was asked about um, Kirk kind of firing that ball to Addison along the sideline, and it got deflected by Carlton Davis, and it looked like Justin was kind of coming open there on a the corner or something yeah. on the same side of the field. Yep, That looked like one opportunity where if I'm – you know, playing Monday morning quarterback here, it looked like one opportunity where Kirk was just trying to get the ball out in a day that he was getting hit a lot. And O'Connell, I'm trying to remember what he said, but he, I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing, but he essentially said um, that was an opportunity there where we could look back on it and say, man, if we could have hit that shot to Justin, we could have got something going and maybe drove down and won the game there. So uh, there were opportunities, um, but you got to wonder how much, and you heard from Kirk today, you got to wonder how much the pressure gets to him, the unrelenting pressure of his five years in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, it. It he got asked that today, and he said the right things, that it's not affecting him in that regard. But it does seem, and I saw it Sunday a couple times too, and he's sort of cautious by nature, so maybe that's part of it, but there were a couple of plays where he checked the ball down pretty quickly, um, that I think there was one with Hawkinson and one with Jefferson, and where it was like, whoa, that was open downfield. And and some of it, I think, was just the play may – I think there was one of them that looked like it was designed to go there, and you know maybe that's not where you would typically take the throw where your reads would take you. And we know – he said it many times. He plays the game in accordance with where his reads take him. He's not a guy very often that's saying, I know I'm not supposed to throw it here, but what the heck. Um so that could have been part of it on a couple of those. But I, I do think there are times where if if he's having one of those games where he's under a lot of pressure, that it may um, factor in at least to some degree. It would seem hard for that not to affect you at some point. And I think he did a pretty good job last year of hanging in and saying, I'm going to get hit, but I'm going to hold the ball and, and let something come open when I have chances to do it. But – you know, he also hasn't been hit in nine months. I don't know if there's any time it takes to kind of get calloused up to that again. I and mean, when you're not playing preseason games at all, I, I don't know. Um, I have not played as an NFL quarterback, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So, uh, don't have an answer to that specifically. But I could see where it might take a minute to kind of get lathered up to that again. And to Kirk's credit, over the years, we've seen so many games where he's had to stand in yeah. there and take shot after shot, and he does a yes. lot of times, that it's easy for anybody to find the one time where he didn't, and it was quick to get the ball out. Um, and for, for a guy who's not mobile, 
that is his weapon is getting the ball out of his hands. It's, it's not, he can't run around and improvise like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Josh Allen, like whatever. And he's generally making smarter decisions than Josh Allen made last night for the bills and jets and not hucking it up there and getting intercepted. So that kind of ball control stuff is what he's always been good at and, and survive. And what Kirk always says is living to the next down yeah. and, and not making the play that loses you the game. That's why Kyle Shanahan has been as interested in Kirk as he has, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, we got a question here in terms of interest in Kirk. Oh boy. Matt wants to know, <laughs> do you think the Vikings get a call from the New York jets asking for Kirk cousins five years later after he, Use the Jets' offer to drive up the Vikings' offer. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, no. I, I. How do they make it work on the cap? Rogers' money doesn't go away. People, Kirk, Kirk is really cheap. Kirk would be if, if like, let's say, Mike compared to Rogers. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, all right. So the Jets have, according to over the cap. Oh, okay, because the base salary. Yeah, they've got yeah. like 10 million in space, and if let's say in October the Vikings find themselves worst case scenario one in five, whatever. Yeah, and I'm thinking the overall cap number, but you're right. The signing bonus money stays here, and so it'd be offloading the prorated 10 mil. Yep, that's left, and the Jets, the Jets could make it work if you're the Vikings. Okay, caller. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, I'm entertaining the possibility here. Um, if, if the jets are that desperate and they, they find themselves at four and two or three and three and thinking, you know what, like, let's just do it. Cause Kirk would be a free agent after this yes. year. It doesn't affect them yes. next year. Okay. The Vikings are still eating all that money. It would have to be such a grandiose return though yeah. from the jets to the Vikings. If you're the Vikings and you're putting yourself in the mind of the front office, the only way it works is if you're getting such a return, because then at that point, the Vikings are just saying, you know what? We have no plan at quarterback. Yeah. That's what it would be. Well, and the, the other thing, too, is let's remember if the Jets were to do that, you're talking about a grandiose offer. Their second round pick for next year is already gone. The Jets' second round pick. That's going to the Packers. It will not be a first rounder now. We know that because Rodgers won't play 65% of the snaps. So that second round pick's already gone. It would have to include a first round pick. I would assume eh, maybe they. But to get there. You're talking about the Jets playing so well and the Vikings being so out of it by the end of October that everybody says, okay, let's come to a deal. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing that one too. Um, what number is Aaron Rodgers going to wear? What number? Yeah, right. Let's go back to that one. <laughs> um, all right, VG Galaxy wants, brain today. Our buddy VG wants to know, is it too much to expect Ed Ingram to be better? I'm just gonna, he, has, he has a lot more when he talks about – he says he played all last season, wasn't hurt, didn't miss any camp time. Preseason wasn't good. You guys are on one today. And then, hey, they lost to the Bucks. <laughs> and game one, Ed rates terrible. He causes one, maybe two turnovers because he asks about the Winfield uh, blitz pickup yeah. that we talked about on, on the other podcast. Um, we know he caused at least one turnover by jarring the ball loose. So can you expect much better from the offensive line and Ed Ingram as a whole? It's a valid question. And I asked Wes Phillips that today of like, what did you learn about this offensive line? And, and Wes made it a point to say it wasn't just one guy. Um, so they're trying to take, so he knows who we're talking about. Yeah. They're trying to take the public pressure off of Ingram, who is taking most of the flack when in reality it could be when Winfield 
when Winfield blitzes, I went back and watched that play before this podcast, and Winfield got him. Like, Winfield was toying with, like— Came from pretty deep. Yeah, before the snap, he was headed the other way in coverage, and then all of a sudden, he just knifed right through there. He got the whole protection scheme. He's really good. Man, they should have looked at him. Yeah. Man, oh, man. (laughs) Well, it would have probably required— Not tagging—was it Anthony Harris? I can't remember which draft that was. Well, yeah, I think that was—so Winfield would have been after 19, right? Because that was the the great year with the Gophers. Oh, sure. Yep. So, yeah, yep. I think it was taking Anthony Harris that year. And, no, the thing I was going to say would have probably required um, having a better relationship with Dad. Yeah, probably. Uh, did, yeah. did not end well between Antoine Sr. and the previous regime that uh, cut him while he was working out at the facility in March Um not that that would have affected whether they would have drafted him or not, but it would have made for an odd working relationship, I think. Winfield Jr. after that game called it a dream come true to make plays in this building. And obviously he said he grew up watching his dad in that building. Well, no, it would have been the Metrodome. but It was on the same site. Same site. Same site. I think it flipped 90 degrees. I think the field at the Metrodome oh, ran yeah. north-south, and this yep. one runs east-west. But yep. I was trying to think about that for some reason this offseason of where the Metrodome's footprint was because I think – the back half of the stadium was that big parking lot where we yeah. usually would come in. I covered my first two seasons covering the team were in the Metrodome, but I don't really remember a lot of the logistics of how we got in all that well. And the logistics of the offensive line getting better. Um, I just – I don't see it. I don't – especially if Bradbury's not there to help. Yeah. That is such a – all those offensive linemen, whenever you talk to players, coaches, they talk about how interconnected those spots are, getting the reps together – um, the Vikings coaches are saying that, hey, with, with Schloman getting the reps in practice this this week, with Kirk, with the Cadence, they do feel like that is going to better set him up than jumping in seven snaps into a game the way he did last week. Or the way Chris Reed had to do at Lambeau Field last year. Yeah. That's the one that sticks yeah. in my mind. Yeah, that too. Um, so is it too much to ask for Ed to be better? I mean, yeah, in his second year, a second-round pick, you would like to think. You would like to think that this was going to go better right out of the gate. Now – some of those things are fluky, knocking the ball out. That's fluky, right? right? right. That's not so going to happen. he was trying to get a reach block on the nose tackle. And Ed, I think, called it a freak accident. Like, that's that's not going to happen every game. Um, but getting beat on a twist on the opening third and eight, um, allowing pressure in Kirk's face when he throws the goal line pick. Yep. Like, these are the things that when Jalen Carter shows up on Thursday night is going to be licking his chops. Yeah, and you're—I mean—you're 18 games in at this point. It's—it's it's not 50, but it's not five. I mean, you would expect to see, I think, some level of progression. And they talked, they said all the right things about him in training camp in the off season that he was getting better. He's starting to figure things out. Sunday did not necessarily <laughs> corroborate that theory. And and may, again, maybe there's on the the Winfield blitz. To go back to that, you know, I we talked about I think on our on our previous podcast too that some of that may be Cousins needing to realize he's hot there, and some of it may just be like you said, Winfield executing it so well that nobody was accounting for him, and then it's oh this was this is not expected to be this is a a bug in the system so to speak, and um, that may be part of that one too. But yeah, there were enough other moments on Sunday that weren't good. That um, yeah, it's it's hard to ignore those things. Uh, I got a question from Kevin P. wants to know about the linebacker spot. 
of Ivan Pace seemed to play pretty well. Brian Asamoah Os- didn't really get in there too much. Is that going to be how it goes moving forward? Um, we got some questions too. I remember uh, one of our, I can't remember the guy's name, but one of our longtime listeners asked last week about um, Pace and saying like, is the hype you know, real about this kid? And they seem to really like him. Yeah. And the fact that he got all but two snaps at that interior spot because Brian Osamoah got just two reps. And when you go back and look at it, one of his two reps, Brian's, um, it was the the goal line throw to Co-Keeft that Keeft kind of came open down the seam. And Brian is the only one not backpedaling in the coverage, whereas all the other guys on a six-man pressure for the Vikings, a blitz in the red zone, are backing up. I do wonder if Brian screwed up as much as Ivan had been doing well. Um, in that spot. And Brian Flores today uh, said to a couple reporters that we're going to get more of a rotation on Thursday night. Now, I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know how much he can predict that because he said that Brian Osamal was going to get most of the work on Sunday, and that did not happen. So, and frankly, they started pace. When they finally, when they put two linebackers out there, it was pace. So, we talked about this on the other podcast, but it does seem to me like they've got a favorite uh, for that spot. I talked to Brian Asamoah in the locker room, and he mentioned his familiarity with Jalen Hurts. They both played at Oklahoma in 2019, I believe it would have been. Um, and so he said, I, I'm familiar with this process, special player, all that stuff. I do wonder if that is going to help them in any way, shape, or form, but this ain't college. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if we see a similar uh, situation where we see a lot of Ivan Pace. Yeah, I think that certainly has been the trend, and you saw it even in training camp that Pace was starting to get a lot more first team work. Yeah, and it even seemed at that point, and there was injury stuff, but it seemed at that point like it was tipping that direction where he certainly was going to get opportunities. I would be surprised to see it change in a major way. I mean, maybe Osamoa gets a few more snaps, but I would be kind of surprised if we see it flip back to the point where he's out snapping pace or at least makes it even close. Uh, Nick, let's end with this one. Ask, should the Jets maybe call a former Packers gunslinger quarterback and give him the opportunity to lead them to a Super Bowl after Aaron Rodgers' injury yesterday? Maybe. <laughs> Get the opportunity. Do you think Brett would – do my former teams. It would be awesome. You, you would be back in the green and white be awesome to be back in the green and white to be making some money in case i have any bills coming coming due for uh, legal counsel <laughs>